Hello, everybody. My name is Jason Hare, and welcome back to Making an Impact. Again, thank you all for joining us on Making an Impact, a series of conversations hosted by Sayota Properties that center in and around the disability community. Today, we'll be talking mid-market healthcare M&A with Neil Johnson, managing partner at Lawrence Evans & Co., a boutique healthcare financial advisory and investment banking firm located in Columbus, Ohio. Neil has more than 20 years of healthcare, investment banking, and private equity experience, including the completion of over a billion dollars of corporate finance transactions involving merger and acquisitions, equity and corporate debt financing, as well as distressed asset acquisitions and divestitures. Neil, it's great to have you. Appreciate uh, having me join on. Thank you. Living in Columbus, Ohio, is that where you're originally from? No, actually, uh, a cheesehead by birth, born in in Wisconsin, but father was an automotive and ended up uh, moving to Toledo, Sylvania, uh, before finally uh, heading to Detroit, where I went to high school and then college at a small school in Michigan. So kind of found my way down uh, after getting into to banking in the Detroit market and finally coming down to a healthcare uh, bond shop here in Columbus. But wow. uh, tried leaving to Europe, California, and ultimately uh, found my way back, uh, MBA at Ohio State. So now considered a Buckeye and uh, really enjoy Columbus. I think Columbus is like Austin and Nashville, just not as cool, but we're working on it and you know making a name for ourselves with a lot of uh, great healthcare organizations that work nationally. I couldn't agree with you more about Columbus. The first time I went out there, I was really surprised and I love that city. I, I think it's super fun and, and actually was just listening to something on NPR uh, it's a few months back now. And um, they were talking to New York transplants who had moved to Columbus and were saying how it has kind of all of the amenities that they loved in New York, but it has that Midwestern uh, nicety and enjoyment. So yeah, there's a lot to be said about Columbus. Um, so tell me about Lawrence Evans, uh, managing partner, and is it a firm that you had started or, uh, how long have you been there and what do you guys concentrate on? I actually uh, started Lawrence Evans up and company uh, about 20 years ago with another colleague from, from New York and focusing on healthcare as I, uh, was in, in healthcare finance and we figured healthcare is not going away in our career lifetime and ultimately started helping organizations uh, raise money, help with uh, evaluating opportunities or potentially selling. So I've been doing this now you know, about 20 years, working nationally with uh, various healthcare providers and service companies, everything from community hospitals, senior housing, uh, post-acute home health, hospice, behavioral health, some physician groups, as well as a lot in revenue cycle, health IT, data, data analytics. When we think about uh, advising for M&A, um, what does that look like? What does an M&A advisor do? And why should a provider or a business consider using a firm that specializes in advising for mergers and acquisitions? Sure. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, we we kind of play in that what we might call lower middle market. You might hear 
business brokers. We kind of play in, in that area. We're not the, the large uh, full-scale investment bank. You know, we're a small specialized group working nationally out of Columbus. Used to have an office in Scottsdale covering a little more on the West Coast. But our, our clients are um, typically up to no more than 200 million in revenue and 10 million in profits. So a lot of them are entrepreneurs, uh, owners that have built a business, trying to you know evaluate options or you know need financing outside of just going to their their local bank. You know we, we help with complex situations, and you know we're a professional service firm. Uh, that means essentially you know we're helping the the owners maybe buy out a partner, helping um, really finance out a bank or another situation that is challenging. Maybe they're looking to buy a company. And so we can help on a buy side, help evaluate and help through negotiations and, and contracts. Now we're part of the team. We're part of a, a team of professionals that should include your lawyer as well as your accountant. Uh, we can get into that, but you know, there's uh, you know, professionals that have expertise in different areas. So you know, your lawyer might be good on regulatory, but have no transactional experience. Mm -hmm. So that could be troublesome. And so, again, it's good to have a, a professional team as you evaluate maybe even tax considerations. Uh, we can get in about the potential tax changes that are on the, on the books that could be really, um, we'll say, detrimental to your net cash uh, effect if you're considering taking some, some money out of the business or, or selling the business. So, again, as part of the team, uh, helping uh, organizations evaluate those options. And so maybe like a business broker uh, or investment bank, we we work with those that are maybe single asset to multi asset growing, uh, have some troubles that maybe need to evaluate bankruptcy or other distress situations. We're looking to raise money to again grow, uh, acquire, and so our expertise focused in in healthcare. You know, we think we do a good job and help understand the the business owners' challenges and and opportunities. Yeah, when when you talk about the tax implications. It sounds like there's a lot to think about now, especially if you're an owner. And I know that there's been some discussion regarding capital gains. And if there's going to be a change to that, if you're an owner looking to sell, what were you referring to when you were talking about uh, somebody looking to take some equity out of their business? Sure. You know, organizations, owners, they may own the business, they may own the business and the real estate, uh, they may just manage the operations. And so as you think about those three components, you can sell or finance each one of those individually or separately. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, some, some people put the real estate into a separate holding company. And so you can sell that off or finance that or just pay rent. And there's different tax implications and and legal, uh, you know, risks with with doing that. Um, the current potential pending tax change that the Biden administration is proposing uh, moves long-term capital gains from the 23.8%, which is the 20% plus the 3.8% additional uh, Obamacare, Medicare tax, a lot of people are not aware of, uh, that is also imposed. So it's 23.8% potentially to as high as I believe about 42%. So that's, wow. that is, is potentially a big change in what your taxable um, uh, tax amount, your tax bill is going to be if you do something uh, after this year. It could be retroactive uh, to 21, but right now um, 
I mean, many are hoping to, to look at doing something this year, or at least taking some cash off the table, and then consider, you know, managing that risk from both a uh, financial perspective of the real estate, the business, or just the wealth of their, their family that they've worked so hard over the last, you know, decade, or, or even, you know, 30, 40 years, we've seen in some cases. Right. So it's okay to take some chips off the table. We always, you know, recommend at least presenting the options, you know, to the owners. I mean, that's what they they hire us for. Um, but again, taxes are, are very important in a lot of cases because it does affect how much your take home is going to be. Yeah. It sounds like time is of the essence for analyzing this. And if you're going to make a move <laughs> to start getting a strategy in place, like you said, get your team together and start considering what that move is going to look like. And so I'd imagine that there's been a lot of owners and operators and providers that have read the tea leaves, seen what's kind of coming down the pike. Um, and I can only imagine that's increased the amount of transactions. So give us an update on what's going on in your world in that mid-market M&A world, and then also where you think it's going from here. Yeah. I mean, right now is a unique position in time because there's currently a, about $2 trillion of private equity money sitting on the sidelines to be invested. Uh, obviously, the behavioral health market with what we call the tailwinds of government spend into this sector as we see the need. I, I've got a, a niece that's um, autistic and seen them move from Arizona to Rhode Island and the different you know, care that's available in different marketplaces and, and just the astounding number of children being diagnosed. So when you look at the market opportunity, uh, the number of operators, the fragmentation, uh, the private equity industry looking to put money to work and this, these private equity investors, they're getting money from the pension funds and the state funds and even hospitals to invest into businesses. And these are businesses, and this is not to be confused with venture capital. Venture capital is, is more of that high risk startup uh, typically businesses that are maybe not even generating a profit, profit or even revenue. And so they're looking for returns, maybe in excess of 30 to 50%. Uh, we're talking about private equity, private equity or family offices. Um, and, and I can you know define and further what you might hear of search funds or independent sponsors, which I'll get to in a second. But you know these, these organizations now are looking to invest into you know, behavioral health, uh, and, and mental health businesses. You know, we recently sold a behavioral health software company. You know, in a niche sector, understanding the business, and you know, with that, with all this money out there, interest rates are low. Um, just valuations are are really pushing further. But private equity, they typically like to see businesses that are generating at least two million in profits, mm -hmm. and they're looking for returns, uh, maybe high teens to even twenty percent annual returns. Wow. Uh, so again, giving you a perspective of the size and scope of what they're trying to target. Now, independent sponsors is it's somebody that, in my case, might be Johnson Capital. I don't have the money to buy the business, but I go to the 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 entrepreneur business owner and say, "Hey, we'd like to buy you," but but the the owner doesn't know I don't have money. Now I'll put a little bit of money in, but then I have to call the private equity group to get the money but I want to tie the business owner up. So there's some risk there that I won't be able to get the money or get a deal done. Um, you know, search funds. 
that's that's where the business school and I've done some work with the Harvard uh, entrepreneurship where the you graduate business school and you, you want to go out and buy a business and grow it. You don't become a consultant or banker or accountant. You go buy a business. So now again, it might be Johnson Capital. I don't have money. I'm just graduated from business school and I want to buy a business. So I may have some expertise in the area, uh, but again, I'm just, I'm, I want to actually run the company. I want to buy the company, come in and help run it. So, you know, this confusion of who these people are and whether they have money uh, as they're knocking on doors because they want to get what we call proprietary deal. They want to be able to talk to the business owners. They want to build a relationship there to build trust that they can transact. Plus, you know, we're a little biased, obviously, as a advisor, uh, but we see um, a direct transaction, somebody not working with marketing the business. Uh, they usually sell for about 30% below market. Wow. So with $2 trillion out there, you know, they're calling business owners, sending letters direct because, you know, they want to buy buy the, the business uh, without any competition. They want to buy it at a cheaper price because prices are, are pushing up. So with if business owners don't know what valuations are, or don't really have a competitive process, um, you know, it's okay to do that transaction, but just want to make sure you're aware you may not have uh, the best deal and make sure that the stumbling blocks of working with somebody that doesn't have money uh, and, and causing really uh, several months or so of uncertainty while they try to struggle to get the money, you know, could be a challenge. I just want to make sure that you know, some of these terms you, um, you're you aware of and the different types of money or capital or buyers that are out there. Yeah, that's, um, that's a lot to consider. I mean, it, it seems that just that 30% alone, knowing that a, a, an owner could potentially be leaving that on the table, I would think is enough to have to, to have that conversation to talk to somebody who can help you get your company ready for sale and then also make it a competitive process. But then again, to weed through what the, who the buyer is and what they're bringing to the table. Um, it's, it's a lot to think about. It's a lot more than I was, uh, initially aware of. So, so as you think about some of the names you might've heard in the industry with the, the big, big financial names, KKR, Bain, uh, that are with writing big checks, buying into the industry with their companies. Um, you know, they use investment banking advisors on any of the transactions they work on. So why why wouldn't someone with a, a business that work hard for their life not hire a professional? And of course, you know, I suggest you know you hire a professional that has experience in the space, uh, understand, and and from that standpoint, you need to consider. You know, we we charge a retainer and a success fee, and and that's kind of industry standard. So if someone's willing to do it without some kind of retainer, now I know uh, there's some organizations that may charge fifty thousand. I think for a entrepreneur, that's that's inappropriate. I think somewhere more in that, you know, five to ten, maybe twenty thousand is should be more standard. Mm. But I would be a little leery if someone said they would do it without a a retainer. Either they don't have the experience or um, you know, there's some other strings attached. So just buyer beware with a professional that uh, is doing it without a retainer. Yeah. I mean, I understand you, know, you don't want to spend the money. You don't want to go at risk. Uh, but from our standpoint, we need to make sure you're engaged. 
We want to make sure we outline the, the process because you can you can drop it at any time. You can leave. You know, there's no pressure that you have to do something. You know, we can spend six months working with you, evaluating the options, getting down into legal documents, and then walk away. We've had that happen before. It may not be the right timing, the right group, and there's no there's no risk on the seller's end. They can they can leave the process at any time. And it seems like again, going at it alone, there's there's more than enough risk there, without you know having somebody guiding them and, and helping them through the process. Yeah. So tell me about yeah. Your, many oh, I'm sorry, many of our clients they they just don't understand the amount of time and commitment as they go through a process of the financial information or data that's required where they're still running the business day to day. So as you talk about maybe considering getting something done ahead of some tax changes and thinking about a, a process, it's always good to make sure some housekeeping in order, whether it's financial, operationally, management team, even CapEx on, on a facility building so that you know it's up to, up, to, up to code, up to standard, so that you can have your, we'll call it open house to prospective buyers you know, within that. And this makes, yeah, uh, this makes the whole process a lot more seamless when you have uh, the equity firms coming in, they're, they're looking for something specific. So if you can set your business up to look attractive to them and you have all of your ducks in a row, that's a part of the battle that is important to, to get done up front. Uh, yeah. I mean, a couple things, a, um, Private equity is kind of maybe almost a dirty word sometimes where they think, oh, they just want to make money. There's some good and bad players out there. So obviously, if you do want to work with private equity, you know, make sure the culture is there. You probably want to expect that selling doesn't mean you, you get a bag of cash and you walk away, but you probably need to um, sell and remain in the business, maybe what we call a role equity. You know, some of your equity is moved into the the buyer, and then you need to wait a couple of years and hopefully that money will grow and you'll get what we call the second bite at, at the apple. And so you just need to consider what does selling mean and expect that it's gonna take some time. It's not, it's not like selling your house and you put it on the market and the hot market today, it's sold and you're out of there in 30 days and, and it's a transaction, you're done. Um, this has been a maybe even a lifetime of building the business or a generational and it may take a little bit of time to prep it, to sell it and get all of your money out of the business uh, and find the right partner too. And maybe the right partner isn't the right price. And I've seen situations that at, at the end of the day, um, the culture and partnership, you know, keeping the employees, keeping the, the name is more important than trying to get the top dollar. Right. So as I say, what, what does selling mean um, entrepreneurs and owners, they need to, you know, really think about what they want to accomplish. And that that's important, especially if you want to have a legacy or um, what, you know, what do you want out of it at the end of the day? And of course, you know, we're there to help at least evaluate the options. It's not our business, but we just want to make sure that they, they know their options and that they can then execute on the one that makes sense to them. And we can all feel comfortable that you know, that makes sense and help it as smooth as we can to get to closing. Right. So you can at least tell them you've seen this before, this is a good option, or this is market, you know, this is something that is pretty standard and guide them along at least so that 
they know that this is something that traditionally happens rather than being blindsided. Correct. And again, as a team with the the professionals and sometimes, you know, maybe your attorney or accountant has um, been working with you, but they don't have transactional experience. That doesn't mean we can't work with them, but maybe, you know, bring in another firm to help with certain components of the transaction, because you you really want to think about being, um, uh, you don't want to be penny wise, pound foolish when you're talking about some of the dollars of your family's uh, you know, wealth that you've worked on so hard. Um, right. So again, it's it's prudent just to make sure you have a good team, you know, going forward. You guys have a conference coming up in June, right? Correct. Yeah, it's our Healthcare Capital Markets Innovation Summit in Columbus, Ohio, and we're trying to you know bring in the real estate providers and early stage innovation companies together within healthcare to really, you know, the deal making environment and networking. Um, It's in person and virtual. So an opportunity to uh, network, uh, learn some uh, from some leaders in the industry today and and hopefully uh, uh, consider uh, some transactions or financing if you need it. Love that it's in person. It's great to see that coming back. Who should attend? obviously you still want to be cautious under the conditions, but I think uh, the way we've got it set up and state could be wide open by then as well. Uh, we're offering a pool patio uh, networking options. People are uncomfortable and stream it uh, to the pool patio, and then the, the virtual setup with one-on-one meetings or our virtual ballroom to, to network in. I feel like we've got a great combination of this hybrid environment and and offer that package to those that maybe can't travel or uh, still uncomfortable with with a uh, bigger environment that we are having a limited in-person. Yeah, I, I love that. So you guys essentially had, had set three tiers almost. It's for me, I'm, I'm fully vaccinated. Thank God, you know, I was able to get uh, the shot and, and now fully vaccinated. So I'm really looking forward to that in-person, you know, conference. If if I was less comfortable, you have an outdoor option. And also if I'm if I'm more comfortable at home, and haven't been vaccinated or just, you know, want to, can't make it to Columbus, you have the virtual, which I I love that you guys seemingly have thought of a lot of different ways to accommodate people where they're at. And, you know, I'm looking forward to attending this. Who, who do you think should attend this or who is this conference uh, targeting or what, what would be a good audience? Sure. And it's around, you know, the deal making, the the money transactional within the healthcare. Again, you know, the real estate, uh, the providers, as well as the the technology or or innovation. And, you know, I don't want to say innovation is technology, it's broader than that. But as as many listeners today, you know, might be involved in the real estate, might be involved, you know, obviously operating a, a healthcare business. But then maybe buying technology, using technology, maybe you have a, some investments into some innovation. And so we try to cover those because they are converging uh, in today's marketplace. And private equity, venture capital, lenders, bankers, accountants, uh, business operators, executives are all, all attending the conference. And so we're excited to get everybody in, in place together to try to improve uh, healthcare and, and lower costs and hopefully... Um, create a better, uh, better environment. And we, we started looking to do this uh, last year and COVID obviously put the brakes on that. And I think in a way we've um, 
been innovative and in trying to do this hybrid that will hopefully work out better for the uh, for the future. We'd like to do it as an annual event. We have a charity uh, golf tournament we're doing with uh, to at Top Golf the day before, so kind of an outdoor setup. Uh, we're supporting a charity. Um, uh, uh, make awareness and raise some money. So we're excited about that. The behavioral health, uh, pediatric behavioral health pavilion at uh, Children's Hospital. Obviously, with COVID and a lot of the mental health issues uh, today, we think uh, you know great charity uh, um, and awareness that we want to support. Yeah. So we hope we hope you know people can join us, uh, network, learn something, and you know if you're interested in financing, uh, selling your real estate, or looking to partner or acquire. I think this is the, the place to go and especially in the Midwest and um, early on here as a uh, in-person organization. It's a great meeting of the minds. And, and if for anybody listening, if you haven't been to Columbus, as Neil said, it really is akin to Nashville and Austin. It's just an awesome city uh, that's super clean, great people. And uh, this conference is definitely going to be interesting. And, and I think it's going to be a great meeting of the minds. Um, well, you know, Neil, this has been a, a great conversation and I really appreciate you coming and sharing your knowledge and your insight and telling us about the conference and, uh, all together, we just really appreciate your time. Thank you. And you can find out more about the conference at our website, lawrenceevans.com or the uh, conference website, uh, healthcarecapitalmarkets.com. Perfect. Well, thanks to everybody who's tuned in to listen. We're going to have a breakdown of this conversation and more information about Lawrence Evans and co uploaded to our blog at Sayoto.com. And you can also visit their website at lawrenceevans.com to learn more about the practice and the services that they offer. And while you're there, as Neil said, be sure to check out the upcoming healthcare markets and innovation summit. There's going to be a ton of great information. As Neil said, if you can't attend in person, you can attend virtually. You don't want to miss it. And you can check out the uh, the Healthcare Summit right there from their website. Finally, make sure you sign up for our email list to ensure you're up to date on the new podcasts. And until next time, remember to make an impact with everything that you do. Again, I'm Jason Hare. Have a great week. So long, everybody.